The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gam Podcast and Eric presented by Bird Dog Shorts. Dominate summer with an amazing pair of shorts and a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com slash pool. That's birddogs.com slash pool. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is currently Sunday, June 25th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Reichel, once again going solo for this pod. Should be a fun one because we do have two tournaments to preview the final tune-up events right before Wimbledon. We have Mallorca and Eastbourne, so looking forward to going through those. Initially, I thought about doing an episode, I'd say a lone episode for Mallorca, Mallorca and then doing another episode for Eastbourne, but I have lines for both, so I figured why not? I might as well just do both of them at the same time. So starting off with the usual business, we got to recap how we did on the last episode for the Sunday matches, the final over in Halla and in Queens Club, and we got back on track. We ended up sweeping the board, ended up winning the lock and dog picks, even won some bonus plays, which I'll mention in a second. But for the lock, we had Alcaraz to win in straight sets against Diminor at minus 115, and that was not easy in the first set. Alcaraz had to fight off a couple break points, but he held on and then eventually broke at uh, 4-5 Diminor serving to win the set. And then Alcaraz went up an early break in the second set and held on to win. So 6-4, 6-4, Alcaraz once again is the number one player in the world in terms of ranking. I don't think anybody really cares because once again, Djokovic only cares about winning Grand Slams. And and he's still a minus favorite in Wimbledon. But Alcaraz definitely showed that he became increasingly comfortable on grass after the first round scare against Rinderknecht. And it does seem like Alcaraz, whose odds did go down, for Wimbledon over the last week looks like a potential threat. Now, I'm not saying he's still going to win. I'm not saying he's going to be able to beat Djokovic in a three to five set match on grass, but Alcaraz definitely looked a lot more comfortable on grass than he had in the past. And that is a good sign for him moving forward into the third Grand Slam event of the year. But as for the dog, ended up having the over two and a half sets in the Bublik and Rublev match, which paid out at plus 126. We really had a great read on that match. We had Bublik and Rublev over, as I just said a second ago. We thought that Bublik would win. We even liked Bublik over one and a half breaks of serve at plus 175, which ended up getting there. And we even liked the over two and a half breaks of serve in the entire match at minus two and a half at minus 115. And that got there as well was basically the exact match that I thought we would get. I thought we might get some alternating 6-3s, and that's exactly what happened, because each set ended in 6-3. But the point is, Bublik won an ATP 500, so congrats to him. And overall, he was really just keeping Rublev off balance the entire match, whether it involved drop shots, big serving, coming to the net and volleying. It seemed like Rublev was always a step behind, and Bublik really hit the ground running, winning the first couple of games in the first set to set the tone, and then Rublev eventually settled in to some degree, but Bublik ramped it up a notch again in the third set, and I believe he was up 4 nothing to start the third set. But either way, the point is, or maybe it wasn't 4 nothing. I think it was 3 nothing. But the point is, uh, Bublik did look really good, and he ended up winning the ATP title. Wasn't shocked because I did pick him to win the match, but overall ended up basically sweeping the board on the Sunday card. Not even just for the lock and dogs, but for the other leans and everything that we had as well. So definitely nice when that happens. And hopefully we'll keep it rolling here for the outright episode, as well as the actual lock and dog picks in the end of the show. But do want to uh, move over now into the actual previews for these tournaments. I was looking for some news. I really didn't see much. Uh, not really much going on on the men's side uh, within the last day or so. So I don't really have much more to add there. 
For the women's side, Ostapenko ended up winning another grass title as she ended up beating Krajikova. Uh, you ended up seeing Kruger, the American teenager, win her first AT, uh, her first WTA title. So she might be a threat moving forward. But still, as for the men's side, really not much to talk about before Alcaraz looking comfortable and also uh, regaining the number one ranking in the ATP. But either way, time to get into the actual uh, preview for these tournaments coming up. So first of all, got to go through the order of operations here. We are going to go in chronological order based on, once again, the start time of the first matches taking place on Monday. So to go through the actual game plan here, uh, the first match will be taking place at 6 a.m. in both Mallorca and in Eastbourne. So because of that, we are going to uh, go with Eastbourne first, just to go in chronological order and alphabetical order as the tiebreaker. So just to quickly touch upon the history of Eastbourne, first of all, Eastbourne has been around since 2009. Uh, it ended up not being held for a couple of years. It was not held in 2015 and 2016, and it was not held in 2020 due to COVID. But to go through the actual recent winners of the event, Fritz ended up beating Cresty last year in three. You had Diminor and Sonigo. Uh, Diminor beat him in 2021, was not held in 2020. Fritz beat Query in 2019. Misha Zverev, shout out to him, that's a blast from the past. Ended up beating Lucas Lacko, another shout, uh, shout out there, a blast from the past as well. Uh, 6-4-6-4 in 2018. Djokovic did beat Munfi in straight sets in 2017. Before that, you had Feliciano Lopez and Roddick, etc. So basically going through the last couple of winners, in this event, really kind of a mixed bag between big servers and good ralliers. So really not much to actually uh, dive into in terms of a constant trend or theme to blindly back big servers or not. Fritz has won two of the last three, but I'm not sure if that's because he's a big server, because he's basically a top 10 player in the world. So that might just be based on overall form compared to the rest of competition. And once again, the final of those two events, he beat Sam Query and Maxime Cressy. No offense to them, fellow Americans, but definitely not elite quality talent. So it does seem like Fritz once again is going to be a serious threat in this event because he is the betting favorite. And once again, the field is relatively weak, but he is the favorite at plus 275. To win this event, uh, Tommy Paul's at plus 550, Jari's plus 750, Rusevori's plus 850, Sunigo is 10-1, Sarundalo is 12-1, Dezan Schulp is 12-1 as well, Nakashima is 12-1, Cressy is 14-1, McDonald is at 22-1, Kekmanovich is 28-1, Yibbing's 28-1, you get the point. So, first of all, do I think Fritz should be favored in this event? Yes, because the second favorite's Tommy Paul. I think that tells you how weak this field actually is. Now, Tommy Paul is decent on grass, not amazing. Truth is, since the uh, Australian Open run that Tommy Paul went on, he's kind of been a bit underwhelming. Uh, so he's been a bit quiet, mostly on clay and on grass. But for the most part, the point is Fritz should be the favorite. And to look at his overall path in this event, it is quite favorable. He does have a bye in the first round. Then he faces off against either Kecinato or McDonald, two players and not exactly known for their grass prowess. So assume that Fritz gets through those. Then he's facing off against either Brody, Yemmer, or Dezanschulp. So I'm assuming Dezanschulp may be Yemmer, but the point is Fritz should be a pretty decent favorite in those matches as well. And then he's probably facing off against either Sonigo, Cressy, or maybe Hussler, but that's basically it. The point is Fritz has a pretty easy draw all the way through to the final. And as a result, I do think it makes sense for him to be a pretty 
decent uh, favorite here at around plus 275. The problem is Fritz's recent form on grass has not been very good. So you can argue that even though Fritz is a guy who should, keyword should, make a deep run and potentially win his third title here in his career, the problem is Fritz has really not been playing good tennis for the last couple of weeks, so maybe he might be a bit more vulnerable. But to look at Fritz's recent results, he lost in London in his second match against Manorino after kind of struggling against Zapata Marias in the first round, and Marias was around 100-1 to 1 to win the quarter. So Fritz really didn't look great against him either, but he won that one in straight sets. Lost to Fuso- uh, Fuksovics in the second round of Stuttgart after beating Karatsev in a pretty competitive match there. But the point is Fritz has really not played well so far, so you can argue that he might be an auto-fade just based on the price. But as the two-time champion here in a pretty weak field, I think I got to make a case because I know his odds will be shorter as this tournament progresses. So I do think Fritz I'm going to have to take at plus 275. I don't feel great about it, but once again, in a relatively weak field, I do think I have to at least make a case for Fritz to make a run, especially with the second favorite being Paul, who has not exactly been good either. But anyway, to go through the rest of the field here, I'll talk about Tommy Paul. Uh, He has a matchup against either Burgos or against Baez, not exactly known for their grass prowess either. And Paul does have a bye in the first round. Then he's facing off against either Echeverry, Wolf, uh, Acha, or uh, a British wildcard. So I'm assuming probably Wolf, but that's also relatively weak in terms of level of competition. You can argue that, you know, maybe Wolf can beat him. We'll see. But besides that, though, you are looking at a potential matchup against either Jari, uh, Nakashima, or potentially Yibbing. But the point is, I do think that in that field, maybe Rusevori as well, and Barreri's been okay, too. So that real section there between Barreri, Rusevori, and Jari with the wraparound to Nakashima, that is a really tough section. So you can argue that Paul has an advantage because those guys are going to kill each other. On the other hand, you can argue that any of those guys I just mentioned have the ability to beat Paul on grass. So I'm going to stay away from Paul. I really don't see much value on it. If I'm going to criticize Fritz's recent form, I'm going to have to criticize Paul's recent form as well because he really has not been playing great. Now, this is where it gets interesting because even though I mentioned how difficult that actual section is, I do think one of the people from that section will make it to the final. So I got to pick between Yibbing, probably not. I know he was okay. He ended up beating, for example, Kyrgios, but still the point is Kyrgios has been a shell of himself physically. So I do think that Yibbing was kind of gifted a pretty easy matchup there based on the overall injury uh, status of Kyrgios. I'm not going to overreact to that type of showing, but he has been pretty good on grass. He gave Rublev a run for his money, for example. But still, the point is, looking at the rest of the field here, I think Yibbing, once again, could be worth consideration. Nakashima, we know, made a relatively deep run in Wimbledon last year, so he's good. They're going to have to face off against each other in potentially the round of 16. Rusevori, we saw, beat Sinner on grass a couple weeks ago, so he's been playing good tennis as well. And Jari's been good, too. And Jari, we saw lose a competitive match there to Zverev. Uh, but I do think Jari, once again, is a guy who can be a threat at any time. Now, historically speaking, Jari has not exactly been that good on grass. So I kind of picked him last tournament just to go based on the recent form and the fact that it was basically an indirect fade of Sitsipas, which worked out because Jari ended up beating Sitsipas and then lost later on. But I don't think I'm going to take Jari. I know Jari does have a buy, and I know I like him in general as a fade, as a as a, you know, 
better because we had him correctly to win the two tournaments that he won this season. So we have made some money in the futures markets on Jari, but I don't see it in this event. I think Jari is going to struggle, and I think that Rusevori is probably going to end up beating him in the second round, maybe Nakashima or Yibing. Now, Jari could prove me wrong, but historically speaking, he has not exactly been that good on grass. So I do think, once again, looking at his current price point of around 750 I don't think he should be the third favorite based on his lack of overall success on grass in his career. Maybe he turned over a new leaf, pun intended. I thought that was a pretty good grass pun, but I don't see the value there. I think Jari should be closer to around 10 to 1 if I had to price it myself. So I'm going to skip Jari. Rusevori, I'm going to skip as well. I just don't think that it's really worth it when you have the third lowest odds to win the event, probably facing off against the fourth lowest odds to win the event. And that's your immediate second match matchup. I can't really take that. I don't see much value on Rusevori either. Sonigo is interesting because he ended up making it to the final here. Uh, so you can argue that, you know, Sonigo has proven that he can be a threat. He beat Berrettini earlier in the grass court season. Berrettini's been a mess uh, and then some. So I'm not going to read much into that either. But Sonigo's path is decent, especially if you're going to be fading Cressy, who even though he made the final last year, he still once again double falls like a madman. He really has not been good for the last couple of months. And even on the grass courts, he's not been good either. So you can argue that Sonigo maybe is worth a look if you're not scared of Cressy. Then again, he would have a matchup against Fritz in the semis, so that is a bit tricky. But I do think 10-1 to 1 is a decent price there if you are worried about the current form of Fritz and you want to take a potential... A long shot in Fritz's region as well, because you think, well, you know, Fritz could potentially get upset. And we saw that Sonigo, I know it was in the French Open, but he did win a couple of tough matches. He's shown resolve, and I do think that he's a pretty underrated grass player. So I do think Sonigo might be worth a look at 10 to 1. So I will give him out as well. Uh, besides that, I think I'm going to go with uh, who else do I want to go with? Do I think Nakashima can actually do it? Because Nakashima is in that section once again where it's tricky. You have the Rusevori and the Jari stuff, and you also have a matchup against Yibing coming up. But Nakashima, once again, has been good on grass in his career, and he's at 12-1. to 1. So I do think that you can make an argument that Nakashima kind of found his footing in the latter stages of the clay season, lost that heartbreaker to Phils in that semi. Uh, but the point in... Uh, Leon, I believe. But the point is still, you can make an argument that he is capable of winning this event. And he was able to beat Yemmer in the first round of Hala. Then he lost to Batista Gut, which wasn't really a bad loss, 7 5, 7 6. But then Batista Gut ended up beating Medvedev the following round. So I do think that Nakashima, who is a pretty decent favorite in the first round against Vukic, he could potentially make a run. It might come down to if you think Nakashima beats Yibing in that section. Uh, it's going to be tough, to be honest, because I really do like both players, but I do think that the serve is going to be the differentiating factor here between Nakashima and Yibing. I do think that Nakashima is a slightly better server than Yibing, personally. I think it's close. Now, the question is, do I want to give out both? Because Yibing's at 28 to 1, and I feel like it's going to be a really difficult uh, quarter uh, section once again for both guys. But you know what? I think I'm just going to go with the, I don't know if I want to take two outrights when they play against each other in the second round, which is really going to be annoying. And Kekmanovic has not been good on grass either. I think Gibbing should probably beat him in the first round. But you know what? I think I'm going to take a spin here. I think I am going to go with uh, Yibing here to win the event. I'm going to skip Nagashima 
Even though he's been good, I'm not sure if I'm a big fan of 12 to 1. I kind of wanted it a bit higher, but I will go with Gibbing at 28 to 1 to be a kind of Cinderella here. And I do think that once again, he, he's proven that he was able to take Rublev to three sets and Rublev made a final in an event. So the point is, we know that uh, Rublev's pretty good on grass and Gibbing took him to the brink. I do think that he can have what it takes to make a run here. So for the sake of the outrights, I will go with Fritz at plus 275. I'll go with Sonigo at 10 to 1, and I will go with Yibing at 28 to 1. But I do feel like I need somebody else in that bottom section if I'm going to be skipping Paul just to maximize my odds. Wolf, I think, should beat Echeverry, but he has not been a great grass player in his career either. But I'm thinking if I want those odds, because Wolf does have pretty high odds here. Uh, he's at 40 to 1, which I think might be appealing, but. Uh, once again, I'm kind of trying to grasp at straws to find a long shot to take. Uh, Rusevori against Barreri. Do I think he's got a shot there? It's just such a tough path. You know what? I think I'm going to swallow my pride here. I think I'm going to go with Nakashima as well. I feel like I need somebody else to take in that area. And once again, I do think that even though Jari's been pretty good and Rusevori's been pretty good, they both may be vulnerable at times. Barreri might give Rusevori some problems. So you know what? I will do it. My outrights, once again, for Eastbourne are going to be on Fritz as the favorite at plus 275. I'm going to take Sonigo at 10 to 1. I'm going to go with Nakashima at 12 to 1. And my long shot will be Yibbing at 28 to 1. Moving on to Mallorca, which should be a fun one. This is a relatively new tournament because it's only been around for two years. Uh, they had it as an ATP 250, which it still is. And Medvedev did win in 2021, beating Query in straight sets. And you had Tsitsipas beating Batista Agut in three sets last year. Now, for the actual uh, outrights for this event, Tsitsipas is the favorite at around plus 300. You have Bublik at plus 600, Fakina at 650, Manorino at 700, Thompson at 800, Shelton at 11 to 1. You have Kubler at 14 to 1, Gasquet at 16 to 1. Uh, you have, besides that, uh, just going through some names that catch my eye. Eubanks is 20 to 1, but I'm not interested. I don't really see much. So, anyway, the point is looking at the actual options here. It is a very, very weak tournament. And that would suggest that Sissy Paz has value at 3 to 1. Because Fritz is in a tougher field and he's plus 275, and Sissy Potts is in a weaker field and he's a bigger plus price to win the event as the favorite, and he's defending champion. Now, to come to Sissy Potts's defense, the second favorite here is Bublik, who should not participate. Bublik just won ATP 500, Wimbledon's about a week from now. There's no reason for Bublik to actually be in this event, and I do expect Bublik to either drop outright or he's going to show up tank losing the first round and get out of here and get ready for Wimbledon so Bublik I have no interest in whatsoever Sitsipas I'm going to get back to because once again I understand why he's the favorite and you can make an argument that based on how weak this field is that Sitsipas actually might be worth a shot now the problem is once again he's been bad on grass and he has not been good in general and it seems like Badoza might it might be a distraction for him now if you want to go through his actual pathway though it is not bad Sitsipas would have to face off against most likely Hoffman in the round of 16, which might not be easy. Then probably, uh, I'm assuming the winner of Thompson and Gasquet. So Gasquet might be able to face off against Sitsipas for the second time in a couple of weeks. And Gasquet just beat him. Thompson's played some good tennis as well lately, as he did make a final before losing in the Netherlands. 
to Greek Spore, but he's played pretty well as well on grass. So Thompson Gasquet is actually a really fun first round match, but you can argue that either guy could beat Sitsipas on grass. So it's not exactly the easiest section there for Sitsipas. So I'm probably going to pass on him. Now, if you want to go through the other players that I think are worth looking at, I think Manorino is worth a shot at plus 700. He's played good tennis. I know we had him to win a quarter, and he lost a third set battle there, a three set battle against Diminor. But we saw Manorino beat uh, Medvedev in the past on grass. He's been playing some good tennis. I think Manorino is worth a look here. We know how good he is on grass, and his unorthodox style of play can definitely give other players problems. So give me Manorino at 7-1. to one. I do think that he's a serious threat to win this event. Thompson I wanted to take at 8-1. to one. I don't think I can because his draw is that difficult. When you have to face off against Gasquet, who is no slouch on grass in the first round especially, and then he has to face off against Sissipas after that, that's really just difficult. It's kind of the same reason why I think I'm going to skip out on Gasquet as well. Gasquet's at 16-1. to 1. I wanted to make a case, but with that difficult little section there, I really don't think there's much value. And Gasquet, stamina-wise, is always a problem at this stage in his career. So I am going to skip out on Thompson or Gasquet. If they were scattered across the bracket, I would probably have taken one of them or both of them. But unfortunately, I really just don't like their section together. So I'm going to skip both, and I'm going to let... Those two and Sitsipas kill each other. And hopefully Manorino gets the feast on the scraps. So besides that, though, you are looking at uh, potential candidates here. Bublik I'm skipping on. I like his draw, but once again, I'm not interested based on his overall form. Uh, really with regard to Wimbledon and how Bublik is in great form. There's no reason for him to participate in this event. And he's probably going to either drop out or he's going to punt immediately. And you can argue maybe there's value on Ramos Vanolos if Bublik's actually going to punt. But still, the point is Bublik I have no interest in. I think that he's going to most likely no-show this event. So besides that, though, you have a potential matchup between Shelton and Eubanks in the round of 16, which is a lot of fun. So you can argue that one of those guys might be able to make a decent run. Eubanks against Shelton should be very, very interesting. Eubanks had a war against... I'm trying to remember. Uh, he was against... I'm drawing to blank her catch, and he lost in three sets. Very competitive there. But I understand Shelton being 11-1. to 1. He does have a bye. I do think, once again, Eubanks should be able to beat uh, Mickelson in the first round. So you're kind of asking who I prefer between Eubanks and Shelton. It's going to be a tie-break fest. I do think you can argue that there's value on maybe both guys. And it's going to sound crazy because I've been pretty low on Eubanks for a while. But I really do like the draw that both guys have, especially with Bublik potentially dropping. And in the bottom, you have Fakina. Fakina really should cruise just directly into the matchup against probably Lloyd Harris. Lloyd Harris has a pretty good serve, but I do think, once again, you're looking at Fakina probably cruising into the semis. So if you want to talk about some value in his home country, maybe Fakina has value at plus 650, which might be tempting. I think if I'm going to skip Sitsipas, I probably will consider Fakina because, once again, his draw is very, very easy. So I think I am going to do that. Give me Fakina at plus 650. Give me Manorino at plus 700. And I think I'm going to take a spin with both guys I mentioned in that section. I'm going to go with Shelton at 11-1, to 1, and I'm going to go with Eubanks at 20-1 to 1 because, once again, I do think that Bublik is going to drop 
because of his good form and because of the fact that Wimbledon's on deck, there's really no reason for Bublik to participate in an ATP 250 after winning a 500. But anyway, once again, my outright picks for Mallorca are going to be on Fakina. As my home country guy, I'm going to go with Manorino at plus 700. I'm going to go with Shelton at 11 to 1, and I'm going to go with Eubanks at 20 to 1. That's going to wrap it up for my actual outrights for this episode. Once again, apologies, but I do not have any quarter odds available, so I can't give those out. But we'll be back once again after the break to go through the lock and dog pick. So stay tuned, and we'll come back with your actual picks for the matches. We're also brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is completely changing the game when it comes to shorts as they don't use a stiff restricting con uh, cotton like other regular shorts. Instead, they use a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a waist slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. On top of that, Bird Dogs also uses an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long and when you do end up ordering your pair of shorts from bird dog you also get a free getty style tumbler with your order go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free yeti style tumbler with your order that's birddogs.com slash pool for a free yeti style tumbler you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also another great way to get down your favorite MLB and college baseball player props. So many ways to win over at Underdog, and it's active in so many states. Head over to UnderdogFantasy.com. Use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's UnderdogFantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished giving my outrights for Mallorca and for Eastbourne. Now it's time to actually get into the lock and dog picks for the matches. Starting off with the lock for the show, I am going to go to a matchup in Eastbourne between Jang and Sunigo. And for this one, I'm going to go with the total in this one. If you want to go for potentially taking uh, Sunigo to win in straight sets, I don't mind that either. But unfortunately, that's minus 145. So I'm going to cut into that juice a little bit with what I think should be a straightforward win for Sunigo. I'm going to take the under 22 and a half games in that match at minus 126 on FanDuel. Simply put, Zhang is a really bad grass player. To look at his matches so far, played Struff in Stuttgart. I guess that wasn't totally his fault there, but he lost in straight sets. Then played uh, Wessels, a guy that most people probably don't know, and he lost that one 6-4-6-2. The point is, Sonigo, I know that he is not an amazing, amazing grass player, but he's good enough. And he was able to beat Karatsev. He had a war against Sinner, which he lost in three sets. But I do think that he simply put just a much more talented player. Zhang had a great run there in the clay season. But on grass, he's really out of his element. And I do think that you're going to see Sonigo win this match pretty comfortably. He's a massive favorite. It's minus 145. But once again, if it's 7-6-6-3, you still win. I just feel like you're looking at an opportunity to fade Zhang based on some reputation where he was kind of a guy who just showed up onto the scene in the middle of the gra of the clay season, and he's been struggling on grass ever since. And I think that Sunigo, even though you can argue that grass is not his best surface, he's still pretty good on it. So I am going to go with the under 22 and a half, a way of taking a minus 480 favorite and trying to extract some value on it. Give me the under 22 and a half games in the Zhang and Sunigo match at minus 126. And for my lock on the show, I'm actually going to go with a play that I think is going to be pretty fun. I hope that this is going to work out because it's going to sound extremely bold, but I'm actually going to look at the Lopez match taking on Purcell. And for this one, I'm actually going to take Feliciano Lopez first set on the money line at plus 149. And there's a couple reasons why 
I'm going to go with him in this match. First reason, even though he is old, he's actually been decent, especially in the first sets of matches here uh, recently. And I do think that he can be competitive on grass because he's a servant volley guy and he's able to use his really solid volleying skills as well as his underrated serving ability with the lefty kick serve, etc., to keep his opponents off guard. Now, I know that Purcell is decent on grass. He won, I believe it was the Wimbledon doubles last year in grass. But I'm looking at the recent results here, and he's played two grass matches this season, played Rinderknecht, he lost the match, but he did win the first set in London, and he did go to a breaker against Watanuki in the first set. So the point is he has actually been decent early on in matches. The problem with Lopez, since he is very old, he does tend to deteriorate very quickly in matches. But you're looking at Purcell's recent form, and he really hasn't played any matches over the last couple of weeks. In fact, he has not played a match since the French Open. He lost to Nishioka in four sets in the French, then played a doubles match, lost immediately, was supposed to play in a couple of grass events in, uh, for example, Hala he was supposed to play, and he was supposed to play in Surbitten, and he ended up canceling both. So Purcell's either battling an injury, or he just has been a little bit lax with his return to tennis. But it's his first grass match of the year, and he's against a guy in his home country. I believe this will be Lopez's final tournament. I think he is retiring after this event. So you can argue that emotions might be high uh, with just the potential retirement of one of Spain's most, I'd say, I don't want to say decorated players, but most well-known players within the last 20 years or so. And I do think that looking at Lopez and the fact that he's a good grass court player against a guy that has not played much grass recently, I just confirmed this will be Lopez's last tournament. So I'll back a guy in a potential retirement match to win the first set against a guy who might take some time to find his footing on grass once again. Plus 149, though, for Lopez to win the first set. I do like, and I'm going to take that. If you want to take Lopez to win the match, I might not mind that either. But once again, I'm aware that Lopez isn't that good at this stage in his career. I just think that you're finding a good spot where Purcell should not be minus 245 in his first grass match while facing off against a Spaniard in Spain. I think that's a pretty insane price. Give me Lopez to win the first set at plus 149. So once again, the lock and dog picks for the show. The lock is going to be on Zhang and Sonigo under 22 and a half games. And the dog pick will be Feliciano Lopez first set money line at plus 149. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We'll be back once again later on in the week, probably for the semifinals of these events. Then, of course, we have the Wimbledon preview episode, which should be fun. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.